Okay, we're stepping away from our planned pessimism episode for a little bit of semi-breaking news here, Cowboys Nation. Cowboys already moving on from Tabasco Mike. Only one year wearing the star. But we've got Dr. Dan, Dr. Quinn. Can he cure the defense? We'll see. Hopefully he can. If not, what are we even doing anymore? Maybe we'll get into that more in the pessimism episode. But right now, let's talk about uh, Dan Quinn's arrival in Dallas. And to do so, we're welcoming in from The Athletic, Father John Mashoda, and from The Eagle slash The Athletic, Kevin KT Turner. I'm Kent Garrison. Welcome into About Them Cowboys, boys. Good to have you back. And uh, wow, we're already talking about coaching changes. Yeah, it's kind of kind of. Uh, hey, this is what we asked for, though, right? And I think in the in the positivity episode we did last week, I was like, "Hey, get your foot on the gas and let's go hire a guy before we get out of control." And Dan Quinn was one of the names that we mentioned. Um, so I, I'm glad that they didn't just uh, a sit on it and and take a break and wait on other teams to snatch snatch up a defensive coordinator. But I, I do feel like they made a conscious effort to go, this didn't work. We should go back to something that's more uh, in line with what we did in years past, but but a little different. And I will go back to this. The most enlightening thing about the Cowboys' defense moving forward is something that our own father, John Machota, said. Maybe it was two months ago. And he said, the highest paid player in Dallas Cowboys franchise history is Demarcus Lawrence. So maybe they should make the defense a little more tank friendly. Um, and I'm paraphrased right there. But, but, <laughs> see, Double entendre. I just had to, and I also wanted to work Romo into it. Romo friendly. Uh, uh, you get what I'm saying, though. And I, I, I know I'm kind of paraphrasing what John said, but I thought that was awesome. And I think you're right, John. I think you nailed it, dude. Well, I thought it was kind of funny that after this news surfaced that Demarcus Lawrence you know, retweeted the from the Cowboys account, like the picture with Dan Quinn already like in the Cowboys uniform, kind of an announcing it, wearing the Cowboys uh, polo and hat. And uh, he kind of just gave the, the, the hook em horns uh, as emoji a couple times there as uh, it seems like he's on board with this hire. So yeah, hopefully that that's what that means. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And frankly, you could be critical of any of these moves that any, any of these teams make I think that Dan Quinn is about as good as they could have done in this situation. I, I don't know that they would have hired any other defensive coordinator that would have felt that I, I would have been liked more maybe or approved of more than I do Dan Quinn. I think that that's about as good as they could get. And, and I just kind of take it away from the my thoughts when I heard Mike Nolan was a defensive coordinator. It's not like I have to go back a long time ago. I can just go back a year ago at this time. And I certainly, if you told me it was between Mike Nolan and Dan Quinn, I'd be like, go get Dan Quinn. It seems like that makes the most sense. So um, I think it's a good move. And it seems like there's enough continuity there. They have, you know, other coaches that they've coached with that there's some similarities there. Uh, So, you know, hey, is this going to be a top five defense? Well, no, not until they get the the talent to be a top five defense. I I think what you could see though and I don't think it's that far-fetched to think is that and I know they blew the 28 to 3 lead 
But how about have the Cowboys get up 28-3 to in a Super Bowl, and then we'll be critical of it. And I just think that these this team is very similar to what that Falcons team was. It The money spent on offense, you know, with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and guys like that. Dan Quinn was brought in to fix a defense that they really didn't put any heavy investments in that defense. Go ahead, everybody listen to this. Name off all the defenders that you remember from that Falcons team that went to the Super Bowl. And yeah, they should have won that game. And if they win that game, I don't know that Dan Quinn is even in this position right now, but we can't say for sure because... Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, and he's in that position right now. But anyway, that's a different episode. But um, I think that that's what you kind of look to is you're just like, well, if that Falcons team can do that, the Cowboys certainly have the pieces to do that. They're very, very talented on offense. They can be one of the best offenses in the league. Just can we get everybody on the defense all buying in, kind of look like all 11 are playing the same type of system, that everybody's on the same page? And, And at the very least, let's just set the basement right here, that we can do these podcasts after games and not go, man, Kind of looked like they were giving up there in the fourth quarter. Kind of, kind of <laughs> gave up some plays there. Didn't look like there was a lot of great effort there late. Can everybody be completely bought in? Because we didn't see that under Rod Marinelli. So if it's a return yeah. to that, seems like that's a move in the great right direction. No, no, I love it, and I, I know I'm a bit of a McCarthy um, critic around these parts, but I do think it's like time for like the ultimate disclaimer. Mike Nolan was not going to make this defense a middle of the pack defense, a top five defense, or a bottom five defense. And Dan Quinn's not going to do the same thing. This is up to the players. It's up to the front office to get them good players. But it's always up to the players. But the coach is a small part of it. And how much you want to say how much a defensive coordinator means to a team, you know, that's up to you in the situation. If you want to be skeptical about the move and say, well, look what he did in Seattle with Earl Thomas, who's back in the news, by the way. Cam Chancellor. I don't know if you saw that. Bobby Wagner. You know, like, okay, he made that defense work. But I, I think what I do like is instead of going, okay, we changed to this thing that we were going to do with Mike Nolan, I, I liked identifying. Because that was my big – one of my big um, questions with uh, Mike McCarthy. And I think he said it a few times. He believes in multiple fronts and things like that. But, like, what is his identity as a head coach? He's an offensive coach, but he's not calling plays. So what does he say oh, we're doing on defense? It sounds like the Cowboys as an organization said, you know what? That's not for us right now. Um, for what we have right now, we need to do this. And I don't think this is some flip-flop thing. Dan Quinn's going to be here for three years or five years or whatever, you know? Like, I don't think this is something you're going to get a lot of, oh, well, that didn't work. Oh, crap, we didn't have enough, good enough players. or 27th in every defensive category. Back to a 3-4. And I know 3-4 is like, you know, they're always in a 4-2-5 most of the time anyways. Um, but, like, I, do, I, I like that the idea – of coming in with a guy who's got experience, a guy who Mike McCarthy knows well as a guy who's beat Mike McCarthy a few times in the last few years, and and a guy who I feel like if you look at their secondary, I kind of start to go, this makes a little bit of sense from a secondary standpoint. I've been, I don't want to, I don't think I've been too critical of Donovan Wilson, but I think it's pretty pretty much like I've said it multiple times on this podcast. I don't think Donovan Wilson as your starting strong safety means you had a good offseason. I think you probably need to go get some safety help. This defensive change, though, if you're going to play a lot of cover three, and Dan Quinn's been known to play a lot of cover three, now that kind of brings Donovan Wilson into the mix as more of a safety linebacker hybrid type. And I do have my mixed feelings on if Donovan Wilson can play more than six games in an NFL season. Like, I don't know. Like, I think he plays a style of football that's going to get him hurt. 
and it's been proven year in and year out throughout his career and go back to college, he gets hurt a lot because he plays hard. But now we're moving him into the strong safety role that's a little different. And I actually like this fit with Donovan Wilson now and feel way better about that. I don't ever want him covering. I don't want him covering at all. But now coming down, I kind of like that. So I do I do think that actually solves one of your safety spots. It, it does, but you still got to find the guy that can cover on the back end if you're going to play this cover three, and, and that hasn't been something they've really been able to find. So I think you I think you would sleep a little bit better at night when that piece has been added to the puzzle because really, for me, knowing that they're going to be going back to what is more of what they've run in the past, I feel like I already know that Randy Gregory can can play in this in this scheme. I already know that Demarcus Lawrence can, obviously. I know Antoine Woods can. I, I, I'm pretty confident Neville Gallimore can, and I know Tristan Hill was drafted because of this. So I feel a little bit better about the defensive line. It still needs help, and I'm not going to deny that, you know, but I feel a little bit better there. Linebacker's still a huge question mark for me, whether they were running a 3-4, a 4-3, whatever, complete hybrid, whatever you want to call it. Like, they still, linebacker is a concern, but I agree with you on the Donovan Wilson thing. It just seems like... If you go off of what he's done in the past, uh, in Dan Quinn and, and the way this defense has been run in the past, as as opposed to having two deep safeties, you just you go with the one, and, and Wilson's more along the line of scrimmage. That does seem to fit him best. And when I when I think of that, I mean the one play that stands out to me that just seems like the perfect fit for that is when uh, he basically just ran up to Carson Wentz and was like, you know what, I'm going to take this ball away from you. When you're like, I think Wentz is going to throw this away. He's hanging onto the ball. He's okay. Donovan Wilson just took it from him. Like it just, the closing speed, his athletic ability knows for the ball. Like I think having him near the line of scrimmage more often, I think is a good thing, but it comes down to like, where do you find that guy that can cover on the back end? They still need to find that guy. And I don't, I don't see them being able to spend big in free agency. So is that guy in this draft? Can they get that guy in this draft? Because uh, Mike McCarthy uh, with the green Bay Packers was not hesitant on taking safeties early in the draft. Dan Quinn, head coach, Atlanta Falcons, wasn't hesitant on taking safeties high in the draft. And and Dan Quinn obviously had very, very good safety play in 13 and 14 when he was running the Legion of Boom defense that obviously had guys like Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas on the back end. Another thing I guess we should probably add to this is the hiring of Joe Witt. And Joe Witt was, you know, in Green Bay for years. um, And then he was, um, he's the new secondary coach. He's been hired secondary coach, but he was in Atlanta. You know, what I would say about Joe Wicks, I was asked a few times because I followed the Packers pretty closely, um, and I was asked my thoughts on him. You know, my thoughts, without hearing anything about what kind of person he is, what kind of coach he is, was, okay, well, they they won that Super Bowl with him, and they were playing a lot of matchup style with Charles Woodson. Nick Collins was kind of a, a no-name guy. Are they going to bring Charles Woodson yeah, you know, that's onto this team? Are they, will they have him here? A, a, a Heisman guy who's kind of on his last, uh, at the end of his rope, looking for a title. Yeah. Who's that guy? Earl Thomas. Mm-hmm. Don't read that TMZ story, and don't oh, and don't and don't read that story that the Athletic just recently uh, published. What TMZ uh, story, John? No. Uh, there's some there's some stuff the out there. There's I don't know. Stu- what you're, can you? There's some yeah, stuff out there you, about no, Earl. I, I I don't know what you're. Can you can you can you explain it maybe in some some kind of detail or? Um, to... I'm not going to say that any of this stuff is, is factual, but it <laughs> just, is just, in this TMZ story that's I'm out there, uh, sending various videos no, no, to family no, 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 members no. of things no. going on no. that, no, yeah, I don't let's know just that say, 
It was not a Merry know, Christmas for the yeah. Thomas family. And hey, let me do, let me just say this real quick. Just make sure oh. you're in incognito mode when you Google that at your parents' house or whatever. Yeah, and and, and, hey, and let me go ahead and, and just put this out here too because I don't want to come off and sound like I'm just making I, – I think it's very old-fashioned to sit there and just automatically disregard TMZ. Um, no, I'm just going to speak. Oh. I'm just going to speak about them. No, I'm, I'm, no but I'm not talking about you, Ken. I'm talking about anybody listening to this. Like, yeah. I'm not dismissing it because I can tell you right now, um, I'll, I, for many reasons, obviously, I'll never forget where I was when they reported that Kobe Bryant passed away. And I just remember at that time, there was a good, and, and I don't know how they got the information that can be debated, whatnot. But I remember that that 20 to 25 minutes between them having it and Adrian Wojnarowski having it seemed like days because I was just like, I'm, I'm not retweeting this. That seems like something so serious that like Woj or somebody would have this or, or Shams, you know, like this is, this doesn't seem, but I mean, TMZ was right about it. Like, I'm just saying like, they have so many lawyers, Thomas, they don't the put stuff out there anymore. They used to like right when they started, but I remember they broke uh, Michael Jackson. Right. Too. Well, no, I, I'm just saying like the difference is, is that at least the things that I've heard is that, you know, that they're willing to pay for information. Whereas like, like I'm yeah. not going to pay somebody in the Cowboys organization money to give me a story, whether people care about that or not, that I just, we're not, we're not allowed to do that. And I'm not, and I, and, and I don't have money to do that. Sorry. I Come hope on, man. Earl when Thomas... I worked there, you tried that multiple times and I did not accept it. And I actually did not appreciate it at all. John, <laughs> I'm surprised we're still friends. I, let's say that we hope Earl Thomas gets the help he needs. Um, yeah. And God, that story that ship is, has sailed. He would have been here this oh, year. Oh, it sailed. It's uh, it sailed, and it's not just the Cowboys. It, oh, yeah. hey, he he would have been he would have been with the Cowboys this year. The How XFL. about he would have been with any team yeah, this year? I mean. if none he, of that. He, yeah, I mean the Cowboys needed him this year, and they still didn't take him. Like bad. They had yeah. no nothing on defense. Like towards the beginning of the year, before these safeties started playing well and you know all that so and, and this is totally relevant to talk about because as soon as they yeah. hired dan quinn people are sitting there and thinking well oh this this means they got an earl thomas guy in the building he's yeah. going to talk them into bringing him in I, i'd go ahead and just pump the brakes on, on on them bringing in earl thomas right now i i don't i don't see that happening i'll be very surprised if Earl I, thomas is the cowboy he's done i don't think anyone wants it here's my my thing with dan quinn and you know he is he's known for the legion of boom and and all that and that's that's great you can't take that away from somebody. You can't take their accomplishments away from them. At the same time, why was he let go in in Atlanta? You know, he couldn't couldn't turn out turn around their defense. You know, um, so we're expecting this guy to come in here and turn around our defense. Uh, well, the one you know? thing is that he'll have more. He'll just be focused on the defense. Whereas you know, when you're a head That's coach, true. you got a lot of different things you're you know you're worried about. Whereas if he just basically goes. In. I think he was, but he's a defensive-minded head coach. I mean, sure, yeah, but, but there's know. still so much other stuff that you have right, to you have true. to worry about. I heard uh, on the um, on the podcast with Mike Sando that you guys do, uh, Kent. I heard him, mm-hmm. and I love this analogy because it, it's so it's so good and it's so true. Because I talked to Mike football for GM pod, yeah, football yes. GM, yeah. And then I talked to Mike for the story that I wrote right mm-hmm. after that. You know, they signed Dan Quinn because I was like, I know if anybody knows Dan Quinn, it's going to be Mike, and, and he's going to know of people that know him. So like I call him, we were talking about this, but his analogy is perfect. When you're the head coach, though, you got to worry about if like the sprinklers are working on field three. That's so true. Like It goes beyond just the, 
hey, I'm just worried about the defense today. Somebody else can take care of the well, offense. Like you, you have to do press conferences. You have so many other like little obligations and things to do. Whereas not only do, do I think he's going to just so solely focus on the defense, I think he's mainly going to be focused on the front seven. I think it gets pared down even more. His strength is defensive line. That's his background. But like he's clearly bringing in a guy like Joe Witt because his expertise is obviously on the back end. I mean, he was, I believe, this is correct, KT, he was the cornerbacks coach on the yes. Super Bowl team in 2010. Yeah, so, I mean, for, like, the, for the Packers, yes. Right, for the Packers, yeah. So I think he's going to, almost like how we saw that transformation from Rod Marinelli being the D.C., even though he was always the D.C., there was a lot of input. It started with Matt Eberflus, who was the passing game coordinator on top of being a linebacker's coach. Well, when Eberflus left, then Chris Richard steps in there, and he's the defensive coach slash passing game coordinator. So he's kind of the defensive coordinator of the back end, and I think that's what yeah. Joe Witt will be. And that's why they wanted these two to be guys that have worked together, that have familiarity, because they're going to have to be in lockstep. And so I just think Dan Quinn gets to focus a lot more on really the front seven, you know, for one, taking care of the run, which was obviously a huge issue this past season, where if you go back and you look at these the previous Rod Marinelli defenses, yes, they didn't take the ball away, but they were always very good against the run. Yeah, they had some times where they dropped off, but that was always his line one biggest deal. I believe that'll be the case here. And then the other thing is that he'll be able to focus on bringing along and adapting things to Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory, and 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 I think that's more more important. But uh, I, I just there's a lot more less on your plate when you're DC as opposed to being the head coach. He was involved in big time personnel stuff for them as well. He was uh, he wasn't running their draft, but he carried a big stick in drafting players. So I, I want to, you know, kind of run through some of this because they, they took Vic Beasley in 2015, and Vic Beasley uh, has had a couple good years. He kind of fell off a little bit, but Vic Beasley had some good years in his career. That was the number eight pick. They took Keanu Neal, the safety, and I think, you know, that safety position, he was more of a strong safety type, and that's what they got. Deion Jones, good linebacker from LSU in 2016 that they took, he turned into an all-pro until he got hurt. Yeah, Tag McKinley. Uh, he took uh, early – and some of these drafts took a lot of defensive um, of players, and he had to say. Uh, but one thing I would say that he took in round three in 2018, he took a one-tech defensive tackle. So if he has any say in the drafting, and I think he might have a little bit here, you know. Why then, Why? Why are, are you judging it off of how, what the previous defensive coordinator that ran this system yeah, here had, had to say? Absolutely almost, almost to a fault? Absolutely am. Man. And that's okay. I... I to a certain extent, I'm I'm very happy we have Dan Quinn. In fact, you know, pull the tape. I'm you know we mentioned yeah. his name weeks ago as as a guy I wanted to, them to bring into interview. Um, but you know, look at the recent history of of these defensive coordinators. You know, ever since basically Mike Zimmer left here, uh, it's been you know Rob Ryan, Monty Kiffin, Rod Marinelli. Mike Nolan, you know, what are all these guys have in common? They're kind of guys that did it, had some success, and are kind of on a second second wind here. Let's see yeah. if they have anything left in the tank, right? Well, and, you know, I and, and it's another Mike Mike McCarthy Mike McCarthy scenario where you don't want to you don't want to go through growing pains with a guy, but I wish they had like a like a Kellen Moore type guy, you know, like a young guy that kind of is an up and comer and knows the new the new uh, trends of defense, you know, and, and is less like, I don't know. Um, it's less like you're trying to get a guy to prove himself again, rather than guy try to prove himself for the, for the first time, if that makes sense. I know they're McCar- not going to take a flyer on like a, a, 
I just wish there was some like linebackers coach out there that, that they knew about, you know, and they just hmm, found somebody. Was, and that's not Jerry Jones style. It's not Stephen Jones style. I know that. And that's it's, uh, it's that's not sad, Mike McCarthy's but, style. But be awesome. Not, all not, not at all. But that would all excite me way more than, but, uh, than right. Dan Quinn. All yeah. of his DCs have had head coaching experience in the past in the NFL. I mean, that's clearly what he go. I mean, that's what he looks for. Um, one real quick thing, because you guys men- mentioned Tack McKinley. So, he, you know, Tack McKinley goes a couple of picks before. Obviously, Rod Marinelli had a lot of say in getting Taco Charlton. So it, I'm sure there's some concerned fans out there that he, Dan Quinn and the Falcons also passed on TJ Watt when they were looking for a pass rusher. So anyway, yeah, they that's did. probably not going to make you happy, but sorry. And they lost Tack McKinley. Like, Tack McKinley, they couldn't keep him in check either. Like, he's gone. He, he had a couple of And if he's still games. there, he's the Cowboys pick over Taco Charlton. Yeah, and that's why I think Kent brought up a great question like, dude, why didn't it work out in Atlanta? Dude, they had the resources. They drafted guys. When uh, his Grady whole Jarrett, job depended on the defense, it did. His whole job depended on the defense. That that offense was going to be fine with those weapons, with Todd Gurley, with Julio Jones, with Matt Ryan. It's like the Cowboys, you know? If his entire focus was on if, I can, if this defense can be okay – will be will be pretty good and they and they uh, weren't <laughs> and but style got, of play know. though matters though yeah and that, and and that Falcons team matters. was running personnel up, matters yep but yep. Falcons team was running up a ton of points so it's like how, what team out there runs up a ton of points and then yeah. their defense gets out there and just shuts it down it's like you're not because generally going to have that because <laughs> you have to sit there and respond back to them and so you're probably your opponent's playing a different style of offense than they normally do they're going to be throwing more they have to try and keep up with you so i don't know i i, I just it, it it's no coincidence that like really good defenses oftentimes have like a good running game or they, they control the ball because they're playing complimentary football. Whereas like that Falcons team got to the Super Bowl and should have won that Super Bowl by really being very, you know, offensive dominant, you know, and that's what I guess the hope is here with the they Cowboys. Were. But your other hope is that you get some better players than what he had when he when his defense was in Atlanta. The guys that can really step up for him, have some big games, and then they can make the difference and maybe when the defense isn't playing so well. I just I don't know who who really like just tears it up on offense and then has a defense that just shuts it down. Well considering um Mike Nolan was the worst defensive coordinator in the history of the Cowboys <laughs> when it comes to, you know, his results, well, it can't get can't get much worse. So let's 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 glass half full this thing. Let's keep the uh, attitude going from the yeah. optimism episode for for a little bit longer. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'd argue this too. You know, Dan Quinn, if, if for 45 minutes of that Super Bowl game, they were you know, sticking it to the Patriots. Maybe I just pretend the outcome's different. He'd have a Super Bowl ring. And then he'd have a Super Bowl ring in 2014, you know, if Seattle hands it to Marshawn Lynch at, at the one-yard line instead of trying to throw the slant route. Like, these, these things are all, all – important to think about like they they he got there right like he got there with these good teams you know and i think i'd say too though like when it comes to defensive coordinators you know right now sala and in san francisco is kind of a hot name but like dude defensive coordinators are all coaches are hired to be fired unless you're belichick or nick saban you know but like Dude, defensive coordinators, that is a very flimsy job in the way this league is played right now. I firmly believe we will not see 2000s Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense or Baltimore Ravens defense. Now, I firmly believe we're not going to see that again in this league. It's it's If you're giving up 22 to 24 points a game, uh, you're probably doing a decent job if you have a good offense. If you don't have a good offense, that's not good enough, obviously, and your defense needs to be better. you got a good offense like the Cowboys are going to have. 
you know, I, you're not asking them to go be top 10. You're just asking them to hang in and you're asking them to get turnovers here and there. It's the same thing we talked about all last year. What, what can we get? Can we get better effort across the board? Can we get 100% buy-in across the board? That, those are the things that I think when it came down to with Mike Nolan, you know, maybe you're guys playing faster. There's a few things that I that I do do want to know. Does Dan Quinn have any say in Jalen Smith being a Cowboy moving forward? Because there's no way Dan Quinn watched Cowboys tape. I mean, he was going to take this job interview no matter what, right? He was going to take the interview. But, like, if he, in preparation for the interview, watched tape of Jalen Smith, there's no way he walked away from it and went, man, this guy, I can fix him. I don't know if anyone can fix a guy who's just not as fast as he was in college or you know, like who, who, who does, I don't think you can fix that. And those are like things that I go, is Dan Quinn going to have say? Is Mike McCarthy going to have say? And going to the Joneses and being like, man, we should probably just post you and cut this guy. Like those, that that's a big factor. You're going to have two linebackers on the field most of the time. We know Van Der Esch is one of them. Is Jalen the other one? Because if he's not, I'm looking at linebacker in the draft as well. Oh, I think even if Jalen is one, you got to look at linebacker in the draft. I mean, just because of injury history with Layton, and then just the fact that if you get to a point where Jalen's starting and he's ineffective, you better have somebody else. One, and I don't mean a first round pick. I mean, believe me, if they take one in the first round, I think that tells you everything you need to know. But I'm I'm saying like even in the like the third or fourth round, like a guy that could step in and play. Um, but I mean, okay, so I I look at like the Packers. I think the Packers and Chiefs are two teams that have, I think people would say two of the best offenses in the league. And I think the Chiefs defense is good, but I don't think the Chiefs have, have like a top five, maybe not even a top 10 defense. The Packers, their defense is very good. Uh, it has been this year. You know, we'll see how it plays out throughout the playoffs. But yeah. I don't know, just generally speaking, I think you're going to have to have one or one or the other is going to be better. And I, I think just if you look at the money spent on this Cowboys roster, you just would even without even watching the team on the field, you're going to be like, yeah, it's, this team's going to have a, a better offense. Like I just, I think it's a little unrealistic to think that, yeah, Dan Quinn, you better be bringing the Legion of Boom defense here. Like he's not going to do that. Not unless they get, unless they, Hey, they start finding cam chancellors in the middle of the draft. Then, yeah. okay. Yeah. Maybe that happens. They start finding Richard Sherman's in the middle of the draft. Yeah. You know that that's possible. That could happen. You know, it's fun to watch these playoff teams and go look at these playoff teams that have impact players on defense, and I was kind of comparing them to the Cowboys. Uh, Packers, as you mentioned, Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith. Okay, those are really high-end players. The Rams, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. Say no more. We know what we have there. The Saints, you know, with Cameron Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore. Like, they've got, like, uh, you can give the Bucks are kind of, kind of, they, they've got to piece it together as a whole there. Um you know, that's that's something I was throwing. Okay, so who's your number one cornerback? I think it could be Trevon Diggs. Does yeah. this scheme fit Trevon Diggs? A lot of cover three. A lot of getting in your face at the line of scrimmage and bailing and kind of playing your side of the field. I think Trevon Diggs could play pretty good in man coverage quite a bit. So I, More I importantly, is we know Diggs is fine. Diggs will be one Diggs of the guys. More importantly, how does it fit Patrick Sertan? No, I'm kidding. It's perfect for Patrick Sertan because yeah. uh, he can just kind of play the Richard Sherman role of kind of be uh, slow and physical. That's kind of what he is. I mean, uh, that, that that's something that's interesting to me. I mean, uh, the free safety thing is not happening in the first round. You know, we can to move on there. I, you might need to – you're going to – and look, a defensive tackle is not good enough on this team. 
no matter how many times Gallimore flashed Tristan Hill, and that's an area I think. But I love what if you look at what you know um, Dan Quinn was able to do. Dan Quinn, uh, what he was able to do with a uh, Grady Jarrett, be Pro Bowl defensive tackle as a three technique that get up the field, quick twitch guy we've talked about for years. They don't have that player right now. The Cowboys don't. Maybe Gallimore is that. Maybe Dan Quinn can develop Gallimore into that because Gallimore's quickness I love so. You know, there's there's a lot to, to be positive about when you look at Dan Quinn, but I just I, I don't want to put like too much pressure on him without knowing what their defense is to go. Hey man, go go give me a top ten defense right now. Well, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do that. You know, but can it be uh, a pretty vast improvement from last year? Absolutely. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk about Dane Brugler. Sometimes Dane Brugler... He'll just like, you know, smoking the bears like, only you can prevent forest fires. And Dane's like, no, no, you can't stop me. And then Dane lights a match and just kind of throws it down. And uh, and then uh, before you know it, a big wildfire spreading everywhere on the internet because Dane Brugler released his mock draft 2.0 on uh, The Athletic. Make sure you go check that out and also listen to pro- uh, Prospects to Pros with Dane and Lance Zerline and Kent producing, of course. His his two-round mock draft gives the Cowboys fans something to chomp on here, John. In a scenario that has four quarterbacks going in the top ten, which is what we want, right? Because that means we'll get the Cowboys will get a top six, you know, positional player, right? The scenario the Cowboys you you want. Well, I guess, you know, and technically, unless you wanted that fourth quarterback to get to you, and then you, maybe you could take phone calls. Now, that's interesting. The Cowboys take an offensive tackle from Northwestern, Rashawn Slater. Would you say that the feedback from Cowboys fans was positive on this, John, or no? I would say it was more positive than I was expecting. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. where I'll put that at. When I first saw it, so <laughs> we got uh, we got an early copy of it because they wanted us to write a reaction so we could put that up in the morning as soon as Danes got published, you know? And so uh, I looked it over and I was like, all right, this is interesting. You know, I'll write about the impact of, you know, what drafting offensive tackle could do there. And it, and it makes a lot of sense. There's there, It does. It really does. And especially coming off a season where your two t- top offensive tackles uh, – combined to play in two games. So uh, it is an interesting area, and it's an area where if you're about to make your quarterback the highest-paid player in franchise history, protecting him makes a lot of sense. So if if that was the pick, I can't sit here and say that that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. The other factor in this is uh, offense in the first round is what the Cowboys have done best in terms of hitting on this. I mean, you go back back to literally 2010. They take Dez. Three, t- three Pro Bowls. 11, they take Tyron Smith, I don't know, six, seven Pro Bowls. Uh, 13, you know, well, 12, they go Morris Claiborne. 13, they go back to offense, take Frederick. 14, Zach Martin, you know. Then they go on, get um, 
16, you get Zeke, three Pro Bowls. And then, obviously, this past year, you go and get C.D. Lamb. I mean, their offense, and especially offensive linemen, here's the thing. Like, people can look at that and go, well, you know, it's an offensive lineman, and, and, and we'll use him, and, he, and he'll eventually be a starter. But we need help on defense. It's like, oh, hold on. <laughs> you're spoiled as a Cowboys fan thinking that this guy's automatically going to be even a good player. The Cowboys are extremely fortunate that they picked Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, and Zach Martin, and they all hit yeah. as like, if they all play like a decade plus, they all might be in, in the ring of honor type guys. Like everybody doesn't hit on their offensive linemen like that. Go look all the way back to last year's draft and look at all the offensive linemen, how high they took and tell me how many of those guys look like they're going to be hits there perennial pro bowlers every year. So if they think that they got another Tyron Smith at 10 or another Lyle Collins or a Zach Martin type impact player like that, I I'm on board. I can be, I can be sold on this. I was just a little surprised because I believe Caleb, no Caleb Farley was gone. Uh, I, I, I think, can tell you, I think Sertan um, was still there though. Yeah. Just for those listening, it was Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, the quarterback, and then it was Devontae Smith at three, Justin Fields, another quarterback at four, Penae Sewell at five for the Bengals. The Eagles take Jamar Chase from LSU at six. Micah Parsons, linebacker at seven from Detroit, who I know a lot of people are excited about, but I don't really want anything to do with him. Yeah. Uh, eight, Panthers, Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State, who's only played 17 starts. And then, yeah, Caleb Farley went nine. So Patrick Sertan would be on the board. Also, the wide receiver tight end hybrid insane Kyle Pitts from Florida went at 11 to the Giants. So those are kind of your your next two options. And I think that that's a very realistic outlook this far away from the draft because I can even say, even if let's say you you wanted to remove Micah Parsons, say that he doesn't go to Lions at seven. You know who could? Jalen Waddell. And he's not in there. And and I, I mean, this... I know it's way too early, but there's yeah. the potential of three wide receivers going before the Cowboys pick, which if you're a Cowboys fan, you should love that because that's just right there with quarterback of a position that you were never going to take anyway. So you should want all the wide receivers and, and quarterbacks to go. Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, you should want Kyle Pitts to go too. Don't even let that be in their in their, in their their psyche. You want you want them drafting defense. Take and all the offensive players, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in that scenario, I probably take Sertan, but I'm also not as worried about the speed as others are that I, I and, and I understand makes a lot of sense. I just think he's a very solid football player. I think his basement is very, very high. Uh, he might not be a perennial pro bowler. I just think he's a really solid guy who just seems like, you know, your Nick Saban type of just all bought in and, and just will do whatever, yeah. you know, play on special teams, do whatever you want me to do. The other thing is he's very good at coming up and making stops in the run game, which Yes. It seems to be a good fit for for this defense. You want good, you know, big physical corners. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense to me there. Uh, do you want to talk about who we had him going, taking in the second round? Well, well, well hold on. I do want to mention okay. this good, while you're talking about the offensive line thing. I want to put this in anyone's fa- uh, head of anyone who's like, oh, no, you know? I just want to say this. Do you think the Connor Williams factor might be weighing a lot in the Joneses and head a little bit as well? Like, man, look what we tried to do, man. We thought we had a guy in the second round. You know, it just just hasn't lived up to, to the hype, man. We Are you saying if it, they go with Slater? Is that what you're asking? No, I'm saying this make more of a reason for them to go with offensive linemen in the first round. Well, Because of the miss in Connor Williams in the second round. Not a miss, but you, right, 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 you right. know what I'm saying. Like, the, the high in play, and Lyle Collins, you know, might have been a first rounder. That was a whole different story. Like they know what they're doing in the first round with these high end guys here, 
and they pulled it off. And I just wonder if a couple misses, not again, I don't mean to say miss, but yeah, in, just nine uh, home runs. Yeah, like Connor Williams in round two and Connor McGovern in round three. And right. you can go back to Chaz Green if you want. I wonder if that makes them go, you know, we got this. This is a safe thing at 10. Got that cornerback at 51 last year. I think we can get us a corner at 44. And by the way, they can. Again, so I, I, I wouldn't hate that. I mean, this is where I'm coming from in this. Okay, we got. It's not like we just. Oh, this was the outlier year that Tyron missed 14 games. Yeah, 14 games this year. Yes. But it's three the year before, three the year before that, three the year before that, and three the year before that. It's the type so of injury, you, too. Right. So you get a guy, if let's say they are in love with Slater, they think that, you know. They're on. They're lockstep with Dane. They're like he's absolutely right. This is this is a guy that that could be the the pick there. You got a guy that you feel pretty comfortable is is even if Tyron stays healthy and if he does, you're in great shape then. But you feel like hey, there's still going to be some games here that Tyron's possibly going to miss. This guy can fill in there. Then Dane also says that he's got the ability to play some guard. If I have some injuries there, he can fill in there. Like and then if you take a guy in the first round, you have that fifth year option. So if you don't get a ton of work out of him right away in year one, it still makes sense to have that guy on your roster. You know he eventually is getting on the field for you. And again, like a lot of it comes back to me is like you're protecting your greatest asset in Dak Prescott. So um I don't I don't hate it. And I'm 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 a big guy, big believer in the whole, you know, draft as much defense as possible. Yeah. But I'm not gonna sit there and, and pass up on a guy that I think to me left tackle. I mean if we break it down right now, I mean Okay, most valuable positions in the NFL. Clearly, quarterback's number one. Number two for me is pass rusher, but there's a lot of people that would put left tackle right there. So even if you go edge rusher at two, left tackle's probably three. And, and you know, if you want to say corner, that's fine as well. Yeah, and ca- know, like, corner would be in the mix, absolutely. Like, and that's where, that's where I kind of go, what uh, they obviously will roadmap it. They'll look at the depth in the draft. I can tell you, I, I me personally – uh, if you're going to tell me safety, I mean, I, there's not a safety that I would I have graded in the top two rounds personally. Um, uh, you look at cornerback in the top two rounds so far. I have seven cornerbacks in the top two rounds, and you know, quite a couple good players in the third round. Those are just graded guys that I've like watched and studied. At tackle, I've got six guys in the top two rounds, and you know. Maybe Eichenberg from Notre Dame, I could I could slide up there in the second round as well. I've got him as a three. You know, but seven guys. Cornerback and offensive tackle depth, pretty even, um, I would say, in terms of the top couple of rounds, if you want to go that route. But Dane, being the arsonist that he is, <laughs> chose not to go with the cornerback. But the 44th pick and Dane's Mach 2 on TheAthletic.com, the Cowboys select a free safety. Trevon Morig, I said free safety. It's just safety. Trevon Morig of TCU. Let's go. Now, Dane's got the note on there that the last time the Cowboys drafted a safety in the first two rounds was when they took Roy Williams in 2002. You know, I, I, I uh, John, do you want to weigh in on Morig? I've studied him. I know how I feel about him. Uh, do you, have you heard much about him and the people you've talked to and things like that? I, I have not. And I haven't, I haven't taken much, much of a look at him. Uh, the, I've talked the most to Dane about him yeah. and I did a, a it's probably about a month ago. I just thought it'd be a fun thing to kind of project what the 2021 Cowboys roster might look like. And I had them taking him 
in the second round after taking Sertan in the first. And so I was like, basically, I kind of fit it into where it was like, okay, they need a safety at that time when I, like a month ago, Dane was saying there's not one that's probably going to go in the first round. So I was like, give me somebody that could be in the second. He named off a few second, third round guys. So I went with Morig, Morig. And then with Sertan, I was like, that gives you a first two picks. Boom. Two guys that are, that are starting right now that you plug them in right away with, you know, Donovan Wilson, uh, with, uh, Trayvon Diggs. And, and that's, that's a huge part of your secondary going into the next season you can build with. But, you know, you make a good point though, about those corners. If there are that many, and they did have that success a year ago with Diggs, keep an eye out on that, thinking that they might be able to pull that thing off again. Yeah. And with Morig, he, he's, he's a good player. I, I have a, you know, a third round grade on him, but that's just me. I, uh, I, I, I was hyped because I went to TCU. I haven't watched this tape at all. I don't yeah. think I'm like this diehard Morig uh, <laughs> fan over here. No, I uh, Rashawn Slater does get me hyped, though. I've heard yeah. so much about him from um, uh, Hogan Johns, our, our Bears podcast here at The Athletic, uh, big Northwestern people, and they, they talk weekly about Rashawn Slater and what he's been doing uh, on a Bears podcast. They've been talking about him. So uh, that should excite Cowboys fans, but uh, – but yeah, what? So third round grade KT. Why does uh, Dane have him in, in the second for the Cowboys? Because of the need. Well, maybe maybe because of the need. Maybe Dane is working something. You know what? I'll, I'll give Dane the benefit of the doubt uh, of the doubt because making these mock drafts is not easy. It takes time to do it if you're if you're taking it seriously. And he might have had a lot of this filled out before the Dan Quinn thing happened. I know it just published, you know, a couple of days ago. To me, in the scheme that you're that you're moving to where you are going to have a lot of single high instead of this year where you had kind of guys mixing up their responsibilities. You know, I'm looking for the guy who does have the pure free safety traits. Um, and for me and Morig, I mean, he can do a little bit of both. And I, I worry about a little a little bit of tackling issues. Um, he looks kind of out of control when he's coming up and tackling. There's a clip, and I forget the name of the running back. It's the Iowa State running back. Um, but there's a clip where the Iowa State running back just juked him out of his shoes. Um, but, you know, he played with another guy who's coming out. The TCU has another safety named Ardarius Washington. And Ardarius Washington, the problem with him is he's five foot eight. Um, and I know Kavanaugh loves uh, Ardarius Washington, our buddy Kavanaugh from, uh, from the fan. But – in order, I don't know if the Cowboys are going to take another, you know, little guy. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do that. Um, you know, Morgan, he's got the size you want. 6'1", he's 210. The speed to play that position at free safety and center field, meaning you've got to react and maybe you're cheating to one side of the field every now and then, and it's going to call for you to maybe get over to the other side of the field and help out. That's what I kind of worry about with his his speed. That's the thing that I worry about if he's going to be a pure free safety at all times. Um, you know, they had it on, on the books as four five six. Obviously, the combine he could go run a four four eight and uh, maybe look, make me look like, like an idiot. Ball skills are there. Four interceptions in twenty nineteen. Oh, I care more about the interceptions. Yeah, as a free safety than the than the tackling. Um, and, and you know what though? What I what I do like about him? How many times this year did we see a safety or, or another member of the secondary? Just kind of hesitate when it was time to come up and make a tackle. I just come hit the running back right there. You know, how many times do we just seem kind of, oh, you know, kind of OA type thing? You no, know, he, he's a high effort guy. Um, 
but I, I think I think he could play. You know, I mean, I think he can play strong safety too, and that's fine. That's fine. I just I don't want the Cowboys to be in a position where Donovan Wilson has to cover a lot. Put it that way. So. Um, now, the, what, and a name we need to keep in mind is Reggie Robinson is uh, a name the Cowboys have like developed. Like, oh, we're going to try to move him to safety. I think Reggie Robinson makes a lot of sense at cornerback. I loved him, but I, as a cover three cornerback, I think that's outstanding for him. There's something going on with their development of him, but that's where Joe Witt comes in, and maybe Joe Witt has uh, you know, a, a different opinion, and maybe Dan Quinn has a different opinion on what Reggie Robinson is. But that's a name we should keep in mind. Is Reggie Robinson, could he play safety? Could he play that free safety spot? I know that's a big leap of faith to just call it like that. And I do think it's interesting that they let Jordan Lewis play a little free safety at the end of the year. Uh, didn't get a lot of snaps there, but a little bit. And I can't imagine Jordan Lewis is going to cost a lot of money on the open market. I think all they need to do is just follow the blueprint of the Seahawks before Dan Quinn got there. And... In 2010 and 2011, those drafts are what built the Legion of Boom, and they didn't do it in the first round. 2010, you got Cam Chancellor in the fifth. 2010, you got Walter Thurman in the fourth. Now, this is on top of that same year they got Earl Thomas at 14 overall. But then you go to 2011, they get linebacker K.J. Wright in the fourth. They get Byron Maxwell in the sixth, and they get Richard Sherman in the fifth. Like, I mean, mean, (laughs) they did that all through the draft. Now, you look at what Seattle did, has done in the draft since then, obviously it shows you that there's a decent amount of luck involved because Pete Carroll, defensive guy, has been the coach the entire time. They, hadn't, they haven't been able to duplicate that su- success in the middle to later rounds. But I'm just saying that like, if they could find some of these diamonds in the rough in your third, fourth, fifth round that can eventually become big-time players for you, that's how you can fix a defense that you're. we know they're not going to spend big on in free agency. Yeah. And so it's just interesting when you when you talk about a safety, even if it is in the second, third, fourth round, that is a position that you could possibly find a guy that can make an impact there. I mean, heck, that's what the Cowboys thought that they were getting when they took Xavier Woods in the sixth, you know, is that yeah. he's a guy that can, hey, this guy can come in and start, you know, and you don't necessarily need to do this in the second round. But I also want to throw this out there. There are three names that come to mind, and there may be more if I get my head on straight. I don't know if I'll be able to do it quick enough. Richard Sherman's a free agent. K.J. Wright. I don't know if Richard Sherman would play for for, uh, Jerry. That's a whole different thing. K.J. Wright, having a great year in Seattle, had a great year in Seattle because they got eliminated, had a great year in Seattle, didn't miss any games at linebacker, free agent, and a guy who played with Dan Quinn at both Seattle and Atlanta went back to Seattle, Bruce Irvin. Maybe that Leo role. Maybe that uh, take that. Maybe the Alden Smith role. Uh, not an every down player, obviously. Now, those are guys who are free agents, and I can't imagine any of these guys in their early to mid 30s are going to cost much on the open market. Maybe Sherman costs you a little more playing a premium position, and he's still playing at a pretty high level. But, you know, Bruce Irvin hasn't played much. Obviously, Bruce Irvin, he, he, Really, he only played two games this year, but in years past, he had thirteen. He had he had some sacks this year, though. And um, I'm sorry, is Bobby Wagner available? Can they go get him? Bobby Wagner. Let's see. Now, Bobby Wagner is a free agent too, isn't he? Bobby is a uh, free agent in twenty. He signed an extension. Son of a gun. Who's a free He's agent 30. coming out of Atlanta? You know, who are the guys yeah. that Dan Quinn's going to bring? Is he? 
Is Keanu Neal might be, yeah. Let me look that up. Uh, Keanu Neal, safety. He was 2016, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he is Class. a free agent. Yep, yeah. there you go. Expect him to be a um, cowboy next next season. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that sucks that's for the Donovan easiest, Wilson. Those, those easy um, things. I mean, that happened with Ha Ha and, uh, and uh, McCarthy, right? Oh, hey, what about Greg Zerline and John Fossil? Yeah. Well, let's I get mean, Adrian it happens all the time. It's like I was. Just, hey, bring bring a couple guys that you trust. You probably can't you. see this on my phone, but I'm literally looking up Adrian Claiborne's contract right now. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of when you said yeah. that. Yeah, it all kind of makes sense. Um, trying to see who else though, just because it's fun. Uh, look at their defense there. Ooh. You know, Keanu Neal was literally named after Keanu Reeves. By the way, really? No, yeah. no joke. His his parents love the Matrix. Are you being serious? I'm not. I'm being serious. I was at you, the combine hey, in 2016. You, ser- you serious, Clark? And I, I was uh, listening to him talk, and that, that was uh, he was sitting at one of those small tables because no one knew who he was. You know, <laughs> I can see why you would remember that. That is pretty. Like, that is pretty interesting. Keanu Neal. Yeah. It's one of it's one of Dane's like fun facts uh, in his Beast book. You know how he has every fact oh, yeah. about every player ever. Yeah, go back and check me on that one. Uh, All right. Love, um, love ah, just love Clayborn, the Claiborne's got another year with the Browns. Keanu Neal, there we go. Charles Harris, edge rusher from uh, from um, Missouri. Remember him? First rounder a few years ago. Charles Haley. Charles Harris. Oh, I do remember Charles Harris. Um, he ended do you up having Charles Haley? three sacks this year. Maybe that's a name to keep in mind. Free agent. Who else for the Falcons? Um, man, sorry guys, no big names. I uh, wish I had bigger. How about Darquez Denard? That do anything for you at cornerback there? No, man, I'm drafting Who? my DBs, Who? man. I want I want some young DBs, man. We're going to build around them that way. I don't, I'm not interested in Richard Sherman either, seriously. You All know, right. DeMonte yeah. uh, Kazee was a pretty good player. That he they moved a, to safety, but he only uh, played four games this year. But uh, he had one year of seven interceptions back in 2018. Well, I just care who they draft. You know, yeah. I, I care what uh, what what Dan Quinn's impact is going to be on this draft, and I guess that kind of kind of brings it all home, right? Unless they bring in Earl Thomas, which they won't. All no, right. even that even that that team that won this, I mean, that went to the Super Bowl, that won the NFC Championship game. Uh, they didn't have a guy on their on their back end of their defense that had you know like big interception numbers or anything like that. I mean. Uh, Dan Jones, the the linebacker, he led the team in interceptions with three. A few other guys had two. Like there isn't like a lot of like really big play, you know, defensive guys in terms of like, you know, obviously your biggest your biggest impact player on that defense was Vic Beasley. You know, that year they went yeah. to the Super Bowl, he had uh, 15 and a half sacks, you know. He was a monster They're, that year. Yeah. And then you know, you can't overlook another guy even though uh uh he certainly is is elevated himself and in, 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 to being one of the best his position. Grady Jarrett was on that team, obviously a very good player. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dwight Freeney, Adrian Claiborne, those guys had some good years up front. So, uh, yeah. No, no, I think uh, it's good that they got it solved, though. So, and Cowboys assistant coach is probably taking a couple weeks off, and then uh, they'll get back at it at the end of the month. Uh, I mean, are you guys uh, watching the Tiger documentary? I know we got to get out of here. Are you guys watching this Tiger Woods I did documentary? See, I did see the first half. Yes. Yeah. All right. It's interesting. I'm excited. I haven't yet. You should give it a shot, John. Go ahead and give that a shot. Uh, I look forward to episode two. 
Um, How does it make you feel about his father? Oh, uh, not great. Yeah, I hate him. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough. That's strong. It's tough. Yeah, there's a bit of psychological abuse that went on there. Um, After seeing that and reading the TMZ article, who do you feel better about, Tiger's dad or Earl Thomas? Currently, Tiger's dad is dead. So <laughs> I'm aware. I so so Tiger's better dad impression of overall as stuff. a person. I just uh, meant as a yeah. Thank you, Kent. I would say pro- definitely Earl Thomas. Okay, because uh, Earl Earl Woods was uh, kind of abusive in a lot of ways, wasn't he? Oh, I didn't know all that. Okay. Uh, yeah, you need to watch it, bro. Come on. I thought it was more of the overbearing, like, you know, no, he sports like, uh, dad type thing. No, like, I didn't know he was a, physical. He was a very uh, cheating on his uh, on his wife and doing some some bad. Uh, oh, there's a Winnebago scene. Let's just say Tiger might have some some things. Yeah. yeah. Let's say Tiger might have learned about things a little earlier than the rest of us. Oh, well, now I really want to watch. While also not having any friends because he wasn't allowed to. Um, yeah, go watch it. It's it's, it's, it's salacious as hell. Um, hey, we're gonna be back. We've got the Cowboys. Po- uh, 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 well, we're, we've already, we're already <laughs> the, sorry. We already did the positivity episode. Man, you are excited about that positivity. I'm gonna go listen to it right now. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go a little negative on the next. Yeah, one. we have to have our festivus episode. The airing of grievances will be next week. Starring uh, Father John Mashota, Kent Garrison, and myself, and, and maybe Mickey will call in. Um, Fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, please uh, keep hanging out at the Athletic. John's got some more stuff coming soon. And um, enjoy uh, divisional weekend. Uh, and then we'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. So until next time, for Father John and Kent and me. It's about them cowboys. Go watch the Tiger documentary too. If you have HBO Max. And goodbye.